Welcome to Lack of Focus, an X-Wing Miniatures Game podcast, brought to you by Dice 8 Productions. Hello everyone and welcome once again to another episode of Lack of Focus, episode 61, See You Ladder. I am your host, Ed Horde, and alongside me tonight, one Mr. Sean Dorsey. Sean, how's it going, my friend? All right, how are you guys doing? Doing pretty well. And of course, our producer extraordinaire, one Mr. Chris Sheriff. Chris, how's it going? Good, thanks, Ed. So we're uh, down a man. Uh, we're, we're actually recording this on a Sunday, so please, please thank your friendly uh, ex- producer extraordinaire for the amazing work he's going to get in to get this in before uh, our deadline for our release date because we had to do it a little bit late. So unfortunately, we're not having chat in this one. So, all right, we actually have a very jam-packed x-wing oriented show in this episode we've got points we've got new releases we've got new rules references stuff we've got a whole ton of stuff to go over so i don't know how far off the beaten trail we can get but we can try um (laughs) we're gonna go ahead and get started with uh of course our flight decks sean what have you been doing lately my friend i know you're not uh, feeling 100 percent i'll let you off the hook for doing a quick one (laughs) uh not much in the last couple weeks i've uh been working on a lot of stuff around the house trying to you know, beat winter and everything else. So literally gaming has not been the forefront of my mind for the last couple of weeks, but um, actually looked at some X-Wing ships though. I think it was Friday last week and starting to, like I said before, the goal is, is over the winter to get my gaming space up to speed. So my son and I can start playing X-Wing. So looking forward to it. Good, good. Chris, I'll let you go. What have you been up to lately, my friend? Um, I've been making lots of videos about X-Wing. But, um, I've seen uh, that. I've played some games as well, made some videos. Uh, In not person, With a real yeah. person across the yeah. table with yeah, real dice in hand. It's been good. I went to work today and picked up a my fourth HMP droid gunship. So <laughs> I think because there's two of them, which are limited to. And I'm like, I think I could fit all four of those in there and have some fun with some sideways moving droids and all the fun stuff. So, yeah, I'm pretty excited to get that list on the table. I made a new um, Republic list. I was going to try a Jedi-less Republic list, do a Warthog Swarm, which I think uh, lots of people will be trying out. So I've got ideas for that. And, yeah, um, actually playing games, not too many. Um, I just... Mainly Someone, maxed out trying to get these videos done. Takes a lot of time. Someone's been playing a ton of Among Us, I heard. Oh, yeah. I also stayed up <laughs> with uh, on the Create Discord until like four in the morning. Um, me, Greg, and one of our Patreons played Among Us on our server on Discord as well. I think the latest I stayed up was four in the morning, which was 6 a.m. for the East Coast people. Oh, Just geez. stayed up all night playing Among Us. So for the record, I believe I put a message out saying, sure, if you guys get that game going, let me know. And I never heard anything. And the next thing I saw in the Discord was when I got up early the next day going, oh, yeah, I stayed up till four in the morning. I'm like, wait a minute. When did that happen? So I think I did put a a thing in a Discord saying, you know, I'll wait until I'll give people half an hour. People here come and play. And then not many people did. So we played for a little bit. But trying to balance that with like time for editing, time for painting and stuff. 
And oh yeah, no, I totally understand. I was going to bring to the table that maybe we should have a regularly scheduled. Night. First of all, first and foremost, I've never played this game. I need to make that abundantly clear. Never played. It. My kids are currently, as we speak right now, I had to break up a game that was down here so that we could record this show, and are currently upstairs playing more. I've seen them play. I kind. I feel like this is. I feel like this is a a very similar version to other like a board game. I feel like I've played a board like, game like this before. Secret Hitler, um, Renaissance. Um, sorry, not race. River Resistance. Uh, Werewolf, those kind of games. Werewolf, that's the game. That's the one that this sounds like. Is this the one yeah. where they're running around the ship and you have imposters and stuff? And they kill yeah, you? that's the one. Yeah, 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 but you yeah. never know who the imposter is. And it's mostly a social game. Like the stuff that's actually going on in the video game is actually almost secondary to what's actually happening because yeah. a lot of it is okay, someone drops off. Who's who? It's a who done it, really. Right. And yeah. it's, it's a really interesting social, at least Werewolf was. I, from what I can tell from the game, it looks kind of cool. Um, but I was really interested in playing it, but I guess I missed the the call. Um, so I think we should set up like a regular Among Us night. That's what well, I think. I think we, we're going to have like a Squadrons night soon as well anyway. Yep. Oh, when is the release date? Like four days maybe? time as of this coming out. It's like Friday is Squadrons Day, October 2nd. So that's this Friday. Okay, so yeah. I already know. Perfect. So I will have to clear some space off the PS4. I'm not sure. Like, I know we had talked about potentially streaming that. Maybe I don't know if it's the first couple of nights doing it, but we're definitely going to get together. Friday night's usually the night that I reserve for uh, recording my YouTube videos, but I'll squeeze those in during the week <laughs> so that I don't have to do that so that I can clear up my Friday night for some squadrons. So that'll be fun. Yeah, we'll definitely be able to play this Friday. I know lots of people are going to be online, so. We can do some boomer games and it'll be good fun. It'll be tons of fun. I'm looking forward to it. Okay, so on to me real quick. Uh, gaming hasn't really, I haven't really done a ton. Uh, we had an entrance pride game, but I totally borked it. Uh, I was red just for the sake of argument. Um, I did make that argument on our last episode. I'm like, oh crap. Like Dark Blue's got like this amazing section. Elsie's got, and then Dark Blue drops out the first day and basically opened the entire game up to Gungan. So I don't know who um, Gungan was. I don't, um, that was Patrick. Okay, so yeah. So, uh, that must mean, I'm pretty sure that would leave Alan as green then. So Yeah, so I, I will I will come. So here's what ends up happening. So we have two days of complete, two or three days of complete pause where everyone's kind of just building up. And every once in a while, my family does this, you know, no tech day kind of thing. Like we just kind of do stuff together as a family. That was the day he decided to advance into my worlds, and I didn't find out about it until the next day. And by that point in time, it was already over. And I had a really busy day at work, and then other he moved in again. And I'm like, all right, look, every time he, it's perfect planning. Every time I am not focused on the game and checking in on a regular basis is when I start losing, shit. and then I just quit. I was like, all right, I'm done. I'm done. So, so I, I, I I sent the red player messages multiple times like begging just trade me this world i'll give you weapons upgrades and everything but i can't help unless i can get access get to them there. get in there and I, I heard nothing back nothing back so eventually i was just like fuck it i need i need to get in on killing red or else i'm gonna be behind loyalty yep. only goes so far yep yep so now i totally understand so i borked the entire game um by having a day that i wasn't looking at tech and that was happened to be the, i felt like i was safe you know nobody had done anything for days everyone first and foremost i had neighbors on all sides i touched every single player 
from my well, position. You, you had the early lead, though. You got all of those planets and then I, just didn't capitalize on it. You just sat. And, and sat. Night. Yep. I, I, I know the mistake I made. I'm not going to make it again. I'm fully well aware. So the next, <laughs> next game that gets kicked up. Uh, just once, though. Just once. I would love to only... The only game that I did ever that I did really well was the game that I played with Greg, where I genuinely only had one neighbor I was genuinely concerned with. Because Greg had really pushed yellow in that in the game we played before, and then my neighbor to the south wasn't going anywhere or doing anything. So, like, I had all that time to build up, and we, we had formed this cool alliance. That was the game that I had done really, really well in. Um, and ended up taking second in that one. But, like, Greg was, you know, far and away ahead of everyone else at that juncture. I looked at that board when it started off with, I'm like, I, I'm screwed. Like, <laughs> I, I said it here on the show. I was like, I, I'm screwed. There's just no way I'm going to. But sure, I'll give it a shot. And yeah. I'm pretty sure Chad was yellow because I was going really gentle because like, the tech distribution was just really off. And like, yeah, there yeah, was a random weird. warp gate in there and stuff like that, which you couldn't use. So I think just like learning the game kind of mistakes what it felt like. But then I said I wanted to go to the stars on the other side of him, so I steamrolled two through. Two, uh, I steamrolled through two systems, but then I accidentally hit, hit one that had a warp gate on it. I'm like, oh, I could use this later to funnel all my ships back. So then I just decided to keep it, and I'd already sent him like, a lot of money and stuff as a, like, an apology. But then um, he bounced some stuff around, and I was like, you know what? Maybe now is the time to just be horrible so i know i'd already convinced green that yellow had moved, moved a lot of his ships down because i just lied you know just have a, have a bit have a bit of a lie yeah oh man it's moved loads of his ships down here you could probably like push up from the north and get some benefits in there you know have a lie and um so he attacked there so all the ships that were south moved up so then I just rolled all the way through to his home world and just kept everything. So Who ended up winning that? Did Gungan end up winning it? Was that, oh, it's still was... going. Oh, it's I'm still, still going? in the lead. But, oh, good. Um, I, I've had to spend so much money keeping blue in, like dark blue in the game. So I've been funneling them weapons technology f- since the very start. Because I spent I figured, all my... As soon as the player dropped, I knew that's what you were going to do. Yeah. Well, you have to. I so couldn't afford that... to do it because I had so many people around my borders. I just guarded the one planet you could get to from that little like transition world. And like, you, you pissed me off so much because the number of times you left like zero ships on it, I'm like, no, I'm not going to take it. I'm going to play nice. I don't want to play the aggressor in this game. I'm playing it nicely. Just because he's taken all of the ships off it again and left it at zero. I, if it makes not... it any better, my goal was to go for yellow because I was convinced that Chad was yellow. That was going to be my first move. And by the time I got to make that move, it was too late. <laughs> yeah. And I had all, all of my ships were mispositioned. All of them were not where they were supposed to be. Um, whatever, oh, the, the, highlight, oh, go ahead. The, the, the highlight for me was sending, I amassed like 350 ships to go and send up to try and hold Gungan off to help you out. And this was just before you quit. And um, <laughs> I hadn't actually told them to drop off. I told it to collect all and come back. So I ended up not not adding 350 to my first wave. I removed 450 from what I had available. So there was just a giant hole in my lines where I had a 16-hour journey of them flying in the wrong direction with about a quarter of my fleet. Oh, jeez. 
So, so I posted in the Discord, like, yep, I done gone fucked up. <laughs> but alas, it seems to have worked out well. You're at least still kind of in the lead at the moment. I'll have to check back in just to see where it is, but uh, I don't know what it was with that game. It was, it, it's that legitimately, if you aren't staying on it um, on a fairly regular basis, you, you, you're out. I mean, I've had a slight advantage over you guys in this one because I'm two two hours behind. So it, it's 20 past eight is the tick for me, not 20 past 10. Yeah. So yeah. I can spend my money, reposition my stuff, then launch my attacks, and yeah. Okay, so I need to so I need to know this because I know you've I know you did this in the past. Were you the last person to join the game? No, no, I joined second to last. I don't know what color was last. Okay, because I, I genuinely I started thinking about that after we closed out the show last week. I'm like, he waited until I logged in and said, "Ooh, we need one more player." And while I'm having that conversation on the show, he went over and clicked join because he knew it was late for me and i'm like oh i just i knew because no. i knew that has been something no, i was asked. i was already i'm orange so i was already in the game at that point oh well i had a thing i was going to because i was going to do it at like a, a lunch time once like 2 p.m your time kind of thing just the middle of the day one yeah that would have worked but i wanted to make make it look like it was more full so that people would be more inclined to join but Hey-ho. All right, but beyond, yeah, beyond Neptune's Pride, like, I haven't really done much of anything. I did, I got all my, you know, the youtube stuff because a, you know, a new set drop for Magic, so that's been a, kind of a big week. I always see an uptick in subs and views uh, the first three weeks of any new set, so I'm trying to put out, push out the content for that. So I've really kind of been focusing on that. I didn't get any painting done. It's just been a crazy couple of weeks, really. Um, work's been kind of crazy, you know, getting prepared for my son's birthday, you know, birthday was kind of crazy. And it's just, I don't know. It's just, it was just an off week for me this past one. So that's pretty, really pretty much about it. Um, yeah. Wanted to get in on an Among Us game. I, I want to try this game. I think it sounds like oodles of fun from what I see, what I've seen. So I'll have to wait and, and, and see how long I can ride the, I'm new. I don't know what I'm doing here. So I couldn't have killed anybody. <laughs> like see how long I can ride that. <laughs> that's kind of sus, man. I don't know. I know. I know. Right. All right, so let's kind of get into it. You've actually got some stuff to go over. Where would you like to start first, good sir? Uh, we'll start off with like the quasi news stuff. So, Heralds of Hope <laughs> Squadron Pack. Yeah, look at that. Look at those pretty X Wings. Got an orange one and a green one and a new A Wing color. I assume these are the exact same sculpts. They're just doing the repaints. This is just the restructures on these. Yeah, I think so. Well, I, the thing I thought was interesting in this, we kind of touched on it when we saw the um, squadron packs announced and I have a new poll card. But mm-hmm. obviously, I definitely, you, it's not a card pack. It's a like the squadron packs that we got for the Re- Republican, uh, the um, Separatists. Yeah. Word. yeah. Well, I, I yeah. thought you were back in old first edition kind of thing. But no, yeah, this so is they were Aces packs. Remember, these are like. Squadron packs is three ships in a pack, and I suppose you had um, higher guns. Was it the original introduction of Scum and Villainy? Yeah, that one had three. But I'm trying yeah. to think of so, like even the, the Tie Interceptor one was kind of the first one I thought. Uh, yeah, the right. Tie Interceptor one was an Aces pack. Then you got the yeah. Rebel Aces pack was A Wing and B Wing. Yeah. Then we got um, the Scum and Villainy pack then it was but that's uh, coming def- defender and bomber 
Yeah, but I don't know if the Scum and Villainy one counts because, like you said, that was the launching of a brand new faction. Yeah. The game. No, I mean, I'm, I'm glad they're doing it that way. I, I kind of like it, but this one's a little bit annoying with the distribution of the ships. Like, I own three T6, uh, T-70s. Yeah. Do I own three? Yeah, I've got three T-70s, so that's going to be five, which means I can't, I've got one too many to play standard games. <clears throat> so I think I would have rather it was... Could you look over your right one? shoulder for a moment and look at the one too many ships that you've probably got sitting on that shelf right there? Oh, <laughs> I, I agree. Right there. <laughs> those, everyone, every ship that you see in there, with the exception of the epic scale ships, those are all extras that are not in the case that's sitting right there that I can see that count for this is the maximum amount of number that you can field of any one of these ships. Those are all I, the I, I, I sold all of mine to the sentry box so that I could have shiny money to buy new ships with. So Yeah, I should probably do something like that. Box them all up, send them to me. I'll get you some store credit towards buying the Sisters of Battle Army. Ooh, that's actually not a bad idea. Um, I, yeah, anyway. Um, heroes, uh, uh, Heralds of Hope. Uh, so the ones that I really liked from this thing was the um, the Overdrive Thrusters card for yeah, uh, it's a T70 X-wing upgrade and it's a um, a modification. So that's the one with two cross yeah. spanners. I got it. I got it right here. Uh, while yeah. you perform a red booster barrel roll or um, slam action, you must use a template of one speed higher if able that's interesting, especially for a boost, even a barrel roll action, but the boost action actually makes it really interesting. Yeah. What do you do? Um, so do you there's do a couple of things that I really, really wanted to touch on here. So if you were to equip that card to a T70 and then put Daredevil onto that T70, mm. you now do a, a two hard boost to a right. Uh-huh. left because that's how daredevil works and then the other right. one was um the bb astromex and how they work so the crazy stuff you can do with like pre-movement barrel rolls right so you have a bb bb8 before you execute a blue maneuver, maneuver you may spend one charge to perform a boost or a barrel roll action so that hmm. now becomes a two or obviously a normal bb astromech it's only the barrel roll but and as you stated before, that is a pre-movement barrel roll. Yeah, it's really good. I like it a lot. So much uh, shenanigans to do with that. Sort of like what Whisper used to do back in the day. Oh, think about what you could do with Paul now. So if you're flying with Paul in uh, the original Paul with BB-8 and these thrusters on his black one, so you reveal your blue maneuver. You do a two hard barrel roll to a right, then you use Paul's ability to do a boost action with pre-move still. All pre-move. Yeah, which is also a two bank to a left. So uh, you just completely change the position, and then you dialed in a hard two. So you kind of done like a K turn without even like being stressed at the end of it. And yeah, just lots of fun things I think you can do here. I, it's definitely oh, not you cannot too hard because it needs to be a blue maneuver and you can't have so yeah it would be a bank but you know what I'm talking about still still I mean back in the day again I keep going I keep referencing the old first edition stuff back in the day 
that's the kind of stuff that Whisper would do all the time. And that's yeah. what made that ship so deadly. And you're doing it at I-9. Poe's going to be able to get in there. He's going to be able to... It's I-6. That's right, the biggest I... orange number now. Sorry, you're right. It's I-6. <laughs> but it goes back into the... All right, so now that I'm thinking about this out loud, one of the things that... The, the reason why most people felt that that was broken back in the day, and that's the reason why they kind of eliminated it, was it was all that post-knowledge stuff. It's, yeah. I know where every ship on the board is already. Now I can... If I was going to barrel roll right before now i'm just going to barrel roll left to get out and then i'll just boost in the opposite direction and then i'll take the you know i'll disengage from this one to prevent from getting shot that's the kind of stuff that you're gonna be able to pull off with with poe sure you're gonna be able to do all the cool you know ac stuff out maneuver get behind people kind of thing but the the convex to that is that you're also going to be like i can just change my mind and disengage from this combat just say nope just get yep. out it's fine just nope the yeah. hell out of there exactly yeah, and obviously it works with a swam as well, so you can like clear your stress with um, like a two-speed move, and then swam again with a three-speed move and stuff like that. It's good. I, I'm a big fan. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Yeah, it's it, it's going to bring some def- definite playability to to Poe. Either one, but specifically the the old Poe, not the new one, with yeah. his ability. Yeah, and then we got a really cool initiative one um, A wing. And yeah, exactly just stopped. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so no, this is gonna be Mer- Mer- Merlin Cobbin, is it? Correct. Corbin. Corbin. Mer- Corbin. Corbin. I won. Uh when a friendly ship is at range zero to two performs a primary attack. If you were in the defenders, uh bullseye arc, the defender rolls one fewer defense dice. Now that is range zero, so that also affects himself. If you're in the defenders bullseye arc, they roll one fewer defense dice. That's pretty good. Just, just, just fly straight at people. It's fine. Exactly. It's pretty for an I one though. Like again, that's kind of what they're doing. Like they're yeah. they're in there to muck it all up in the in in the end. And you're gonna be yeah. I like that. I think that's gonna be really interesting. Yeah. And then the opposite end of the spectrum was Zephan Vak Vanaki Enki. I don't know. Speaking's hard, man. <laughs> Probably Vanik. Vanik. Yeah. I just added an I on the end, it's fine. Vanic, yeah, yeah you're right. Um, right. So this one comes in at I-5. After you perform a boost action, you may transfer one evade token to a friendly ship at range one. Ooh, that's that's like uh, reverse Jake Farrell. Yeah, well, so it's a bit garbage because you the only way you can trigger this yourself is by doing an evade and then refine gyro stabilizing it into a boost. Yeah. But like, it, obviously... The clues in the picture, it shows you the coordinating resistance transport, giving him evade actions and stuff. <laughs> they but, show you how to do it in the picture. <laughs> yeah, to be honest, it's an I-5 resistance A-wing, so that's, I think they've got four of them now. You can run, and you can fit four in a squad easily. So at resistance, I'm fairly... Yeah, well, if we went with that's just I-5 up. shenanigans, where are we? A-wings. So it's easy, tally... Wulo. So, uh, come on, Wulo. Get added to the squad, mate. So I've got 80 points left after adding those three with no upgrades. So there's nowhere this one costs more than 80 points. No, I wouldn't think so. So you're right. You can run four high five A-wings. <laughs> I, mean, if you, I mean, I would guess that it, the most expensive one so far is Wulo at 43. So you could run Jaeger at I-5 in the Fireball at 33 points and still have 47 points left and run five i5s that's gross 
Yeah, I mean, um, it's always yeah, I mean, two attack dice ships, but like, that's an awful lot of uh, perfect information time you get. That's really gross. That'll be interesting. That'll be a squad someone should try out, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got my uh, Initiative 3 squad for resi- um, the Grand Army of the Republic. My Warthog list that I want to try out. But, um, yeah, like, like I said, I don't want to spend too long on this. There's so much other stuff to talk about, but a good mm-hmm. article. Um, oh, I suppose we should do Starbird Slash as well, because that looks awesome. And it's just A-Wing, not Resistance A-Wing. Ooh, so an EPT, um, A-Wings get double EPTs, or even e- the crappy low-level ones get a single EPT slot. And you get to fly through people. So if you fly over their base, they take a strain. Whoa, 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 Run that past me one more time. Uh, I so, clicked off, so now i got to go it, past. It, it's an EPT. It, after you fully execute a maneuver, you may choose one enemy ship you move through. That ship gains one strain token. Then, if you are in that ship's firing arc, you gain a strain token. It's basically so, as you're flying by, you're throwing dirt in their face. Yeah. <laughs> but, um... The That's one, an I, interesting mechanic. Taking into account resistance A-wings can shoot backwards. Yes. So you spend one turn flying towards them, then you fly fly over them, focus, spin your arc around, and then shoot them in the bum when they have a strain token. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, I'm a fan. I wonder what the cost on this one is going to be. I was just going to ask that question. We just talked I, about getting five I-5s. If you can have I-5s with this and Snapshot... I don't. I mean, you could probably run four i5s with snapshot in that mm. because that's like forty points. Uh, you're looking at ten points worth of upgrades. So, but, yeah, I don't know. Um, then what was next? Rules reference guide was the other bit of news. Uh, all right, so let's go ahead into that. So there's a lot. There's a lot in here. You said you did not want to unpack all of this. The one thing that jumped out to me right away. Where are you? You are on... That is going to be on page three. A ship with no active force uh, no active force attempts a purple maneuver. It executes a stress maneuver instead. Now, what's interesting is... So, we, the stress maneuver is the uh, white too straight. Right. Okay, yeah. Like So, they're referencing another rule. Um, yeah. Which I, I feel like the right wing on that. I genuinely do. Um, but, of course, it references a purple maneuver which i think we saw in a preview like maybe they leaked one that there was a purple maneuver but we have the where did we see that chris correct i think um let me do some googling i think it is the the ship from um revenge of a sith but i can't remember what it's called i think it's the eta is that one that would make sense um okay but again, it goes into that. I love how they're opening the design space. I love the fact that, well, the, what of what the non-Force users on there? There's a maneuver on their dial they can't use. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah, it was the one where we looked at the, uh, it comes with the hyperspace ring and stuff. Right, right. Gotcha. Oh, well, in that instance, they're all going to be Jedi in that one. So maybe that's, that's a good. Jedi ship, so. Yeah. All right. Scratch that thought. It's a cool, but not. Yeah, so I think it's talking about if you've spent your force when you come to use it or whatever. Right, then you can't then go on to use it again. You get the uh, two straight instead. Yeah, so... Uh, reasons. Reasons. 
You really wanted to park park out the last question on the FAQ. <laughs> that, that was just for you guys. I thought you'd enjoy it. But yeah. okay, so let's get to it. FFG's having some fun with us, and I appreciate it when FFG has some fun with us. So at some point in time, they previewed. All right, so here's the full question in its entirety. What is a structure, as mentioned on Marg Sable Closure, the EPT? And the answer that FFG provides is a structure is, oh, wait a second. I can't tell you that yet. You'll have to wait and see. Meaning (laughs) you can ask that question. They're not going to answer it. And they actually put that imprint on the actual rules reference, which is hysterical. You just have to Um, wait and see. Ones that I liked that cleaned up the game would be like the jam answer. Um, if a ship has multiple green tokens or locks, the player whose effect caused the ship to gain a jam token chooses which green token is removed. Mm-hmm. So like, pe- people would do weird and wonderful stuff like um, I- I've I'm going to make like oh you can't shoot this ship, so I'm going to m- make it lose its evade token. Oh no, I want you to lose its focus token, and that's why I jammed you. That kind of thing. So it's the person who does the jamming picks. I thought that was explicit in the jam action. It it was, but people... It states that you pick a green token or a target lock. So then people... Yeah, people were arguing that you picked the word green token. I would like you to lose a green token, please. And then you get to pick which green token you wanted to lose. No. No, I know, uh, you know, we've never played it that way, but it's now in the FAQ, so it's gone. It, it's done. You know, I, you and I have gone back and forth in this a lot for a long time, for many, many years. I, I often feel that half of these FAQ questions are rules lawyers trying to find a way around the rules. Oh, it is. I, it, it absolutely is. Oh, you you want one of the, okay, and I've got one for you. So, reinforce, got a clarification. Reinforce can be used against attacks at range 4 to 5, even if a defender's front or rear arc normally only extends to range 3. If the attack is at range 4 to 5, treat the defender's front or rear arc as extending to range 5 for a purpose of determining which arc the defender is in for a reinforce. So the only so, time that would ever come into play would be Epic, and you're telling yeah. me that someone in Epic was trying to say, oh, what only reinforces... Well, range- your arc only extends to range 3, because you can only shoot to range 3. So if I shoot you from range 4, you're not reinforced anymore. <laughs> Thanks for uh, coming down and playing this giant Epic game with me, though. I'm glad we spent 17 hours setting up and playing. <laughs> you know, just for fun. Like, this is literally, we are doing this together as an activity that we will both enjoy. But no, you're not reinforced. Get Get wrecked. <laughs> yeah okay. I died a little inside when I saw that answer <laughs> yeah okay well, that's going to show that the game has, still has a lot of dicks playing it <laughs> yeah. oh dear because uh, like you said again the only time that would ever come into play is an epic game which is supposed to be kind of a fun like let's all get together and put our big plastic spaceships on the board uh, but you can't have any fun because <laughs> Yeah, no, I agree. Oh, uh, I think that's more of a, I declare you're not going to have fun, than you're not going to have fun. <laughs> but it's a fun game, just not with me. Just not if right. you play with me. Exactly, yeah. Avoid me, you and you're going to have a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> or um, I'm having fun, what, you aren't? <laughs> I, think, I, I do think that there's a lot of gamers that are like that, where their fun is their fun, but they don't really care about your fun. 
Well, it's a zero fun. It's a zero sum game, Sean, and there's always so much fun to be had. That's right. So if I if I have like fifty percent fun because you had fifty percent of the fun, then I didn't have as much fun as I could have had because I could have had a hundred percent fun. (laughs) So for me to maximize my fun, you have to have zero fun. That's how zero sum games work. Of which X Wing is definitely one. The sad part is, is that I've played in games like that with people. Yeah. Like, holy shit. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, that's, that's the right response, Sean. That is the right response. Page 20, standardized. Some upgrade cards have a standardized restriction. During squad building, if a player selects a ship with a standardized card equipped, each ship of that ship type, i.e. its full ship name, in that player's squad must be equipped with a copy of that standardized card. So that's like saying if you take crack shot on a Nantex, all of the Nantex have to take crack shot. Say that again. So uh, there's going to be a new upgrade keyword called standardized. So, it, so like when we saw the solitary keyword and that had a new meaning that you can only take one in a squad. Right, right, standardized right. is if you so if you make a Tie Fighter that has an engine upgrade and it, but it's a standardized engine upgrade. Every TIE fighter in your squad has to have it. Interesting. So I assume they're future-proofing this for other upgrades that are down the line. Oh, I but there, are, there isn't an upgrade with the standardized key restriction on it. No, they right. don't exist. There's no such thing. So my but, assumption, of course, is they're not going to backwards compatible. Eh, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. So then it talks about structure. Structures, structures are an upcoming game mechanic that some cards reference for sake of future, future compatibility. There are currently no structures. But yeah, so they're putting stuff in this rules reference guide for stuff that isn't out yet, which could be, I don't know, interesting, maybe not. It depends, oh, on, how they, it depends um, on how often they decide to update this. So they usually update this whenever new stuff comes like, like that comes out. So they're literally just doing their, their homework ahead of time. Yeah. Well, they're adding placeholders ahead of time for sure. Right, right, exactly. So when they go to, you know, control F to find the rule, they can just change it there. Yeah. Um, what else do we have? Um, blah, blah, blah. Okay, this is the one that I was glad Sean was here for. In fact, no, we'll do this one first. This one's funnier. You mean the pages is, were, where are you at? Uh, so we're at page 32 now. This one's just a funny one again. That makes me hate people. What is the difference <laughs> between flipping a dial face up and revealing a dial? And when does each apply? Flipping a dial face up is a manual act of turning a dial so that its face of a dial containing the maneuvers is visible. Revealing a dial is a specific act that occurs during a ship's activation. A ship that reveals a dial does flip the dial face up as part of this process. However, other effects that refer to flipping a dial face up, such as informant uh, from a listening device, do not reveal a dial for purposes of abilities that trigger when a dial is revealed. Additionally, a ship that has flipped its dial face up can still reveal that dial at the proper time. Oh, so if I if I oh have informant, I, I have informant, so we've flipped your dial face up. Now when you move, you can't do any you can't use advanced sensors because your dial's already face up, so you've not revealed it. No, right, shut up, not, get out. That, get out. Like serious that's not yeah. where I thought you were gonna go. I thought you were gonna go because they revealed the dial, because I looked at informant, they're forcing the maneuver. Well, but, like, no, it's just, <laughs> yeah, just people it's, are being just stupid, yeah, like, no, trying to conflate. They're being asshats because they say, oh, I made you reveal your dial by flipping it. Now we know what it is, so you can't do what you're supposed to do, even though 
in essence, your dial actually flips back over. Yeah. yeah. You reveal it, show There's them. There's just so, so many different things. And like, when, if someone flips my dial of informant, can I advance sensors then? No, because you've not revealed your dial. It's, it's talking about the step in the rules. But again, thanks, FFG, for making me not have to deal with these questions anymore. <laughs> okay. Right, you, this God. is the one that will really, uh, we can actually talk about it for a little bit. Um, so. There's the surface level of what this means, and then there's the sub-level of what it means. Page, page so, number first. Still so 32. Can... Still page 32. Mm-hmm. Um, are optional abilities added to the ability queue automatically when they are triggered? Or does a player make their choice by adding the ability to the queue? So what that's referencing is if you've got um, afterburners on Anakin, whose ship ability lets him use a force to also do a boost or a barrel roll. If you add both of them to the ability queue, do you then have to use both? So, Because before you triggered one of them, you have to say what was going in the ability queue. So if I thought I needed to boost and barrel roll to get out of arc, I'd say I'm going to add afterburners and then the uh, fine-tune controls ability. Do my afterburners boost? Oh, I'm already out of arc now, so I don't really want to spend the force anymore. Have I declared it so that I now have to do it because I said I was going to? Or am I declaring the intent to think about it later? So the answer is that all abilities are always added to the queue, and then you choose as it becomes time to resolve them. Right. Like, this is no different than me saying, I'm going to barrel roll right. Oh, I don't like that positioning. I'm going to choose left instead. No, you've declared the action in the order. No, no, that's it's the opposite of that. You could say I'm adding fine tune controls to the queue, and I'm adding afterburners to the queue. And then when you resolve it out of the queue, not use it because part of the part of the ability is choosing to use it. If that makes sense. Because yeah, you've got a time. The only window. ones that you would be forced to is if it ever said must or, you know, yeah, that you have to do it. Everything else is optional. So you have well, people out there then sitting there saying, well, if you added it to the queue, you got to do it. Yeah. Holy shit. So it, it was stuff like snapshot. Yeah. Well, if you, if I, if I add all of my snapshots to a queue and then kill you, do I have to keep firing with the other five? If I've got six snapshots in the list and the first one kills your ship, do I have to trigger the other five? No. Yeah, because you can only use it one, like you can only do one bonus attack around each ship. So I might want to shoot the next ship that's going to land in range of them all. So right. you don't, the, the, it's saying that I, they're all automatically added to the queue and you choose at each point of resolving them if you're going to use it or not. And you have to resolve the first one before you move on to the next one. Yeah, but what that really means is that it is now something that's automatically done and becomes a game state. So if, for example, um, I'm I'm trying to think of a good example now. I forget this was the one that people have been complaining about online. Um, if I have um, a seismic charge and you've got some vulture droid sat on a rock that is going to be right behind my ship and you say, are you set? And then start dialing, like, revealing your maneuvers. I'm sorry, just because I didn't say I was dropping a bomb, my bombs automatically got added to the queue. So now I get to drop my bomb because it's some, it's not a missed opportunity because it's a game state that I have to have the opportunity to drop these bombs. So is this a situation where now we're getting into, like, with with these types of things, 
because either too many people were missing them or not understanding how it works that we just created a queue that everything just goes into. It's just like you throw everything against the wall and then choose what you're going to do. Is that kind of... Yeah, so I think the what it does is it prevents the aggressive gameplay of like trying to rattle through turns and hoping that people miss that like oh shit i can't get away from this bomb if he drops it and my fellow's gonna die well hopefully it'll just forget if i don't mention system phase and ask which ship he's gonna move first he might just forget so then here's the next question with this is who's who's keeping track of this shit Yep, that's it's a game state, so it is both players' responsibility to acknowledge all timing windows during a game. So, okay. I, so I, let me open with how I play a game of X-wing, and like Ed can attest to this from our like our mm-hmm. vassal games and stuff. But I don't think we've played any. Yeah, no, we've done like whisper games and stuff, but sure, it yeah. gets to a system phase, and I'll ask you. Like, what's Whisper doing? Because the first thing I do when I when we get our list together and look at what each other are flying, I establish what the order of operation is going to be in the system phase, in the activation phase, all of that. And then I'll say, even if, like, Wedge is pointing the t- at the table edge with nothing to shoot, I'll, I'll count it down in the initiative order. Uh, Wedge doesn't have any shots, anything else? No. And that just acknowledging all of these points but what people are complaining about now is like, oh, I'm, I'm going to have to fly my opponent's waist and remember all of the triggers. It's like, no, you just acknowledge the different timing windows of the game. I, I, it, I, I'm trying to think of a magic analogy for you now. Like if you, well, I, you play, I have like 50 of them in my head right now. Yeah. But it's like if you play, a, if you cast a, um, a spell and they have a, a, there's a window for them to have an instant, after their instant, there's a, a window for your instant. Uh, you couldn't play an instant and then another instant and say, well, you didn't say anything. I get that, uh, but you... there are triggers, though. Like in Magic, there are triggers that don't allow that window to happen because there's other effects that happen due to other cards that actually are simultaneous, almost simultaneous, and then the window would open after that. The The real Magic analogy for, for this one would be that every possible action, each phase that could trigger technically does trigger and each player has the opportunity to respond to that trigger unless you're going into things like kiki jiki splinter twin right right where you have the funky thing where you're you know kiki jiki creates the creature the creature then untaps something and then it untaps splinter twin which you know so Uh. you, you have those continual it's the perpetual or infinite combos that you don't have any ability to react to until the person declares their gun then from that point then then that person has a chance to respond and then you swing for the win you know right because technically they create their own trigger loop they create their own loop going over here that's an infinite loop that happens i don't think we get a situation like that in x-ray i hope um every phase every possible trigger that could happen does and you have to respond to each one of those triggers yeah so uh, the big thing people complain about is the bomb thing now well like if it's it's changed from what people are concerned about now is that it's changed from the person who doesn't have the bomb sitting there hoping that the other player forgets to now the person who doesn't have the bomb is now worried that if they don't tell them to drop the bomb 
or ask them that if the other player doesn't like pretends to forget, they so, then position their race and then you see the final position and then you say, Oh, you didn't let me drop that bomb earlier, we need to roll it back so I can put my bomb down. So really then what people need to do and kinda like you do in magic in a way, is or chess or anything else, is what I would do if that were the case is I would write down all of my triggers on a piece of paper. Because yep. this is a friendly game, not a tournament game, but a friendly game. I'd write down all my triggers on a fact if you ask me, I think Fantasy Flight should create a trigger form that for all of your ships, you put them in there, write down all of your triggers, and then each person has their own form, and you set them side by side in every round, you okay. walk through your triggers. But the real secret is, Sean, that the it's the same player who was being a dick hoping that the other person would just forget system phase if he didn't mention system phase, is now complaining that their opponent could do the same thing to them. So right. well, you know how you you know how you fix that. You just say system phase. Got anything you want to do in the system phase? And right. then if they say no, they've acknowledged that step and moved past it. So the literally the only work thing you have to do is acknowledge the existence of timing windows. And if you do that in every game you play, as a matter of course, no matter what squad you're flying, then nothing's changed. Right, because if you announce the system phase and nothing happens, your opponent passes, and then you move on to the movement phase, your opponent can't then go back and say, oh, why didn't you get to drop my bomb? Well, wasn't that, the, wasn't that the whole point of the phasing? Like creating right. those specific timing windows yeah. was so yeah, people could do the dick move and lock everything back? Yeah, but that was the entire point, is that people were saying, if I like, literally, if I just don't say anything, he might not drop his bomb. I get all that. I, I understand that. Yeah. I'm kind of uh, like I, I'm, I'm digging the hole that, for the rabbit. Yeah, it's that mentality of well, it's not my job to fly their list for them. Some motherfucker, you're not flying the list for them. You're playing the game the way it's supposed to be played by right. acknowledging the existence of these phases. Like, right. Yeah. Do, you're supposed to. You. Yeah. It's in the like the floor rules about like, not seeking to like manipulate the pace of a game for your advantage. Right. Basically, what it's doing is everybody has, everybody should, I'm not saying has to, but should acknowledge system phase, you know, the different phases as they go. Yeah, I I do system phase and then initiative values for movement and shooting. And then I declare end phase separately to just starting putting my dials down. Right, because there's something that happens in those phases. I don't care if you've put a dial down whilst we're cleaning up tokens and stuff, that's fine. But I'll declare it as like end phase. Oh, okay. And then do the next thing. And like, it isn't a taxing process. It's like, okay, I'm set, system phase. Okay. And like, what I tend to do is like, okay, I've dropped my last mine. I've dropped Bubba's last proxy mine. So I don't have anything in the system phase anymore. You don't have anything. Okay, we'll move past it. And then it goes planning phase, activation phase. But that's the exception, not the norm. You know what I mean? You build the game at the start. You, I, I build my windows at the start of the game of what I need to remember and discuss it with my opponent so we both play the same game with the same knowledge. Ultimately, I think that because you have people like me, I'm never going to remember three quarters of what's going on in the game. Um, you know, have a list. You know, like for me, what I would do is just write down, these are the things that I have that are required in the system phase. 
you know, these are what's required in this phase, or these are my choices in this phase. And as ships become eliminated, you cross them off and move on. And, you know, but I mean, so, isn't, isn't X-Wing supposed to be a friendly game? Supposed to be. Yep. But, you know, I think X-Wing is a really, really good friendly game. So this I think is it's where, a terrible competitive game. This is one of those things like, so the, the little shit that you get for who has first turn. I always thought it was kind of a useless thing. Like, it only ever comes up a handful of times who had first turn. One of the things they could do is quite literally just have a little cardboard cutout that has each area of the phase, the little chit that goes from the top to the bottom. All right, we're in the system phase. Anything going on here? Nope. And you just move it down through each phase. Because they also have very specific floor rules for keeping notes during a game. You can't do it. So you can't mentally take the note yourself to remember like I, I i get sean's point sean's right in a friendly game you should be able to have all your triggers sitting in front of you as a reminder but it would be nice if there was an official game mechanic that literally went through and passed through each phase which actually i think that there is in essence it's not written in that this phase passing to this phase is a hard you know hard sell but at the end of the at the end of the day it is you know because you don't need uh-huh. one you shouldn't leave one until you're into the you know until everybody's done and you're moving into the next. I get why they have this. I get why they wrote this. If you're having people that are still just trying to accelerate, you know, to confuse or accelerate things in games because they think they're going to get an advantage. Ultimately, I like your idea, Ed, where you have a little chip that moves every turn, you move it. And through each phase of the game, every turn, every time. And if people choose not to do it, that's fine. But it's there for players who are either, because the advantage is when you go to tournaments, and I've seen it many, many times, is a very seasoned player versus a new player. And I've watched seasoned players, and I've sat there, like literally watched them do this, where they'll allow that player to miss a trigger. Yep. You know, because they know that they get the advantage with that. And the funny thing is, is that once they have that advantage on their side, then they'll start reminding them of it. But until that time, they'll, you know, have them oh, I didn't realize you had this card. You should mm. be doing, you know, and they only have one ship left on the board by that time. Yeah, yeah. by that time it's too late. They could, this would actually be a perfect place to put inside the actual squad building app itself. Everyone's got it on their phone. You should just have a little sub app in there that's phase of the game, that's tournament legal, that I can have sitting on the table. You don't even need a little chip, just a little bit of a, just a little tap on the phone as each one goes through each phase. So here's another thing you could do, which adds to that, Ed, is that every single time you put an upgrade into the squad builder, the official X-Wing squad builder, it actually builds out your trigger list by phase. There you go. You're thinking exactly the same lines I am. I mean, so that's, that simple, there. that's simple programming. That's just, you know. Very easy. Yeah. And then it comes up with builds a list for you. So now you have your squad list, you have your trigger list or whatever you want to call it by phase. and then. It's legal because it comes out of the squad builder and or it could be part of your sheet or whatever as a part of it, but it builds it out. Okay, you have three three missiles or three whatever, so now or three bombs now. Each time you use one, mark it off. You know, that type of thing. Right. But it also gives you that little reminder. You have three things that could happen in this phase. You have two things that can happen in this phase, and oh by right. the way, you have one trigger that happens at the end phase. And as you go through each one of them, it pops up and says these are the things, your options. If worst case scenario is that a new player, it's going to give them the opportunity to like, oh, right, I totally forgot. I have to do that. Otherwise, right. it's avoid well, all it, of the... It literally removes the advantage an experienced player or a player who knows every ship, every card, every everything in the game versus somebody who doesn't know everything about the game. 
You know, it takes yeah. away. Then you don't even really have to have this FAQ entry because you've already you've already resolved that. Well, and I I agree in the um, very experienced player versus relatively new player. I think it also helps specifically in the mid tier to new players playing against each other. Like, oh, absolutely. I'm not going to know every trigger in every card in the game. I'm going to admit that. I've not kept up nearly as much. So if I'm playing against another player of equal level, there's an entire possibility that both of us miss triggers simply due to not knowing when those triggers were supposed to take place. That's not anyone playing for an advantage. That's just, it's our job to maintain the game state, and neither one of us did it. So when I start playing again, like seriously start playing again, I'm probably going to pay Chris to sit there and look at my list and build me trigger lists. Yep, there you go. <laughs> because there's just so much. The game is so big, and there are so many things that can happen. Even building your list, you may not realize what you have in some of your ships, just because you have four ships, they all have some type of an ability. You have upgrades on them that do this, that, and the other thing. It gets confusing after. Well, that's why I just like playing the simple lists, where all I had to do was figure out whether I was going to cancel an attack or not. Yeah, and you have a lot of things that can happen while your opponent's doing something else. Like this isn't this isn't a Magic or 40k game where I go, you go, I go, you go. We're all going simultaneously through you know each of these phases. So when you're doing something, I could have a trigger that could happen while you're doing something, and I need to remember that. Just like right. my opponent can have the same thing. Like I also need to know that he has triggers that could go off while I'm doing my own turn. So like there's a whole because the turns are all just one turn, you and I sharing at the same time, that would be extraordinarily helpful. See, FFG, if you do that, I just credit, just hey, this idea by I, I don't need royalties. One percent, one percent. Wait, the app's free, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But I mean just I think that it would just help everybody out if it just built out what your triggers are by phase, right as you're building the list. Well, the other thing is that that would help you in list building, too. Yes, I completely agree. Because and I like, a, that's why I like the idea of putting it in the list building app. Well, and the reason why I say that is because sometimes you think you have a kick-ass list because you think all this stuff, you know, webs in perfectly, and then you realize, oh, wait. Wrong phase. This doesn't trigger with that one because it's in a different phase and a different phase. Exactly. Yeah, you know, so you have to literally today have a you know have a pegboard where you're like trying to figure out who the murderer is, you know, with string and everything else to try to figure out your phases and triggers. Now, you know, that's exaggerating it, but kind of if you have a question like this coming up in an FAQ, that tells me that there are people that are thinking that way. You know, it's it's a very None of it's obscure, but to some people, I think that they don't even realize, you know, the, the high-level players do, but people, you know, there are a lot of players out there that won't realize how important these triggers are within a phase, and if people take advantage of other people, then you have to have something to stop it. That was yeah. a good one, Chris. That was a I good thought, one. I thought you'd like that one. Yeah, so I'm going back. Again, FFG, you can have that one for free. To, to, to build it into the squad app. It's, it's all in HTML5. It's super easy. I can write it in two days. All right, so points? Yeah. You've got the score sheet, my friend. Indeed, I do. So for this one, we did it a slightly smaller one than last time because it's just new releases and it was a smaller wave. It's only three ships. So we did the cheapest chassis for each ship and then we did one card that was coming in each pack as well. So the first one we started with was the Zyclash Shuttle. And we were talking about it and like back and forth on, you know, it, 
it's a two attack dice shuttle. Is it what's it going to open up for first order? And I think we used the um, the Star Killer base as like the the ups one. Uh, the cheapest ups one was fifty eight, and that's where we kind of went from. And I, I think Ed went Ed went first and knocked ten points off that price. So Ed said it was going to be forty eight points. I was a little bit more generous than that. I said forty five. And Sean was less generous and said 50, using the Upsilon as a base. It's 38 points. Wow. Wow. 38 points. So I'm looking at a list right now, which is a First Order Courier, which is the cheapest 38-point bad boy, with Supreme Leader Snoke. And then you can take Major Von Reg with Dead Eye Shot, I don't know, just a one-point EPT. Kylo with Prime Thrusters. And have an eight point bid. 38 points. Like, so Kylo, who can still reposition whilst he's got up to two stress, and you get to look at the dial before you do this. And you've got and, Snoke. And then an I6, yeah. yeah. So Snoke lets you look at someone's dial who isn't within range one of Snoke. And then you've got yeah, Kylo to just dance around. So, yeah. Eight I, points. I can, actually, I can actually see that because now looking at the Upsilon today, it's got more <laughs> oh yeah like it, the upsilon's a beast but it's leveraging how much of a beast like you can't take an upsilon as a support ship it has to be pulling its weight in the engagement as well but 38 points man you, this can it's just pure support ship i don't care anymore mm-hmm. right. yeah i agree yeah then uh we looked at um so yeah i was closest and i was still seven points off on that one um then we looked at Terex, uh, the crew card, because we were talking about how um, just handing out uh, calculate tokens, I think it was, was pretty good. Pretty darn good. Uh, and what was it? we looked at uh, different crew cards, compare it to. Uh, I said it was going to be eight points because I think I went first on this one. I think yeah, we, we were using a layer, I think, as the, yeah, uh, the benchmark. Was- Correct. Yeah, I, I said eight. Sean said nine. Head undercut us both of six points, and it's six I, points. Boom. Yeah, Ed's on point there. Then we looked at the lat, and um, uh, I think I opened on this one, and I said that I think it was going to be fifty-one points because, but I didn't think they'd let you have four of them. Yeah, and that made lo- perfectly logical sense. And then you two were like, 48 points for Ed, and Sean was 42 points. And it is 51 points. Yeah. Yeah, well, I was trying to, I was trying to build my case on that one. So you can only run three lats. Oh, in fact, I think Sean went first on this one. I did. Yeah, Sean went first it's on that one. It's still a cool-looking ship, though. Oh, it is cool. I, I've got a lot in my new Republic list. It's good. Um, then... Claw as the crew card. I think Ed went first on this one and knocked it out of the park with his 10-point bid. Ooh. I undercut uh, him by a point and was a point off. Sean went two over, which the more I look at Plo, but I think that Sean's probably closer to its correct point cost. But for the purpose <laughs> of the game... Uh, uh, <laughs> the game! Yeah, um, Ed is correct. It got it bang on again. So that's too perfect for Ed. Did you so, say the first? So hold on. So we can retroact this when they change him up to 12 later on. We'll retroact this. 
give yeah. it to me then, correct? I'll change the color of yours to green then, yeah. Yes, yeah. Um, then we had the HMP, and we were all way off on this one, man. Um, I don't know if I was like overestimating something or if they've just come in really, really cheap for it. But like, Sean was the closest on this one at 38 points. I was at 40, and Ed was at 41. So I think you didn't think they'd let you run um, five of them. Yeah, that was my that was my line of thinking. But because um, I thought they'd let you run six. No, not six. I think 40. Yeah. Um, and it's 34 points. So they won't let you run six, but only by one point per chassis. Yep. Um, so yeah, Sean was the closest on that one. Um, and then we had the missile pods. I think we're comparing it to barrage missiles. Uh-huh. And we all we all thought they were better than barrage. And um, barrage at eight. Ed and Sean both came in at nine. I said eight, and um, I was right because I doubted FFG. So I got two spot on. They came Ed in. Got, yeah, eight points for him hmm. for a for a one eighty degree arc missile. Hmm. So, wow. so we'll, I'll be looking at green on this one again down the road. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hmm. So I'll post this in into Discord now. So you can't do uh, all three, but you could absolutely do, or all four, but you could absolutely do it for three. Oh, so you're looking at look at the lat because you can put that on the lat because that's got two missile options. Ooh, fair point. Ooh. So now all you need is a way to give a lap the calculate token, and then you can fire it at whoever you want without having to use the target lock. But Jedi and that also have access to a synchronized console to just pass the target lock to a lap after they've engaged, which is pretty good. So the uh, the grand totals of the largest differentials, Sean came in in third place on this one with just the... Uh, the 50 point on the Zygon ship, uh, the Zy shuttle, sorry, was the big killer. That took you basically out of the running right away. Yep. Um, he had a differential of 31 points. Then Ed was 10 points better than that with 21 points. My differential was 16 points. So that Zy shuttle killed us all. <laughs> yeah, but what's, uh, weird, what's weird is that so it's hard to do this when you're looking at baselines, you know, and you're trying yeah. to use another ship as a baseline. And the other thing you try to figure out is where the manic side of fantasy flight is when they're, <laughs> when they're scoring. Things. So it's almost, it's almost like you have to build in a meter one way or the other. How much faith do you have in FFG to do the correct thing here? Right. Because when I look, you know, and I know this wouldn't have, spared me but when i look at these missile pods and i'm reading what it i mean it's like come on eight you know and then i look at it's hard for you know it's hard to gauge and it's always been that way with with, with this game is basing points off other ships because you just don't because there are some ships out there that are way over point costed that shouldn't yeah. just that it's just it's been that way since day one of like oh like Rebel A wings compared to Resistance A wings is always my favorite example. Yeah, I mean, but the the biggest one was the idea of the T sixty five only being mm. able to field three when you should have been able to field four. Yeah, so like four when you should be able to have five. Yeah, and there it is. Yeah, four four to yeah. five. You know, and it was just like that doesn't make sense. You know, and then when you're able to field eight 
TIE fighters. And then when you look at how the baseline works of attack dice to defense dice, it's like mm-hmm. you're fielding eight versus four, so you're double. Yeah, you get shields, but really you're only, you're marginally different. So now you're at, you know, the ability to field five or four to eight. You know, it was just crazy how they would do that. You know, they, they, well, made, they made ships that should be throwaway more expensive than they should be and ships that should have more durability, more of a throwaway ship. You know, but it's, it's, it's when you look at something like the Academy TIE pilot is, um, a, uh, sorry, an initiative one, two attack dice, three agility, and uh, three hull ship. And it styles fine, but nothing, like, not great. One herds, two herds, three herds. The blues are the two banks, two straight, and three straight. It's 22 points. So, like, if you compare that directly to the FO, and that this is the most egregious way to do this, which is why I'm using this example. But, like, the FO gains. Um, the same attack dice, same agility, same hull. It gets a, f- a free shield. It gets the two hards being blue. Instead of the 3k, it gets the two swoops, and it keeps the 4k. And it's three points more expensive. Right. If you were to just put a shield upgrade on a TIE fighter, it's more expensive than... Yes. Yeah, right. a, a TIE fighter with a shield upgrade is 30 points. A TIE FO is 25. Right. And that's what I'm saying is that that's why judging this stuff is so hard because of that skew. You know, you're you're looking at things, trying to figure out which way that they're going to fall with. Too cheap, too expensive. You know, once in a while they'll hit that sweet spot, but it's very rare. I mean, this is something I think, maybe not even in hindsight because I can't remember the exact conversation, but I remember Bob years and years and years ago saying about upgrades for point like points cost for upgrades would be really really good if you could make them a percentage of the ship cost yes so if you put a defensive upgrade on a really expensive ship it's going to make it harder to kill that's inherently worth more than making a cheap ship harder to kill because that cheap ship isn't worth as many points so you're not protecting as many points Oh. Yeah, but that would be hard. To, you know, that'd be oh, hard, hard. it's impossible to do. Like this is in a perfect, you know, the perfect world that we wish. Well, I don't even know that you'd wish X-wing well, actually existed in that world because I don't think it's a fun game at that point. Right. I, I think what you do then is you create for some things, not everything, but some things that would affect a ship differently. Is as an example. Small, medium, large base, you have different point costs depending upon which base you're putting it on if you're going to do yeah. that. That's, that's I, how you would do that. I think they have that for something. And they've obviously got initiative-based pricing and agility-based pricing. Yeah, so I it's just, stuff that they have kind of brought in. But, I mean, it kind of leads into what I thought we could close out on for our final topic, which would be, like, do you want X-Wing to be a perfectly balanced game compared to what I think the environment we live in now is that kind of, without it being stated overtly, like the the hyperspace and points change environment were, like, they've made Nantex too cheap. I think everyone would acknowledge that. You can fit six Initiative 4 ships in with two EPTs each. is in a list. Like, you can, none of... No one else can do that at that level when they've got 
a three die bullseye arc and a turret and it's just a really efficient high initiative chasing list but i don't know that it's actually a problem because we all know that in november i think it is when the points change again that they'll get fixed and they'll be like it'll just so is it would you rather the game was fixed so the points are like in first edition the points are what they are but by some form of magic that everything's balanced or would you rather we have what we have now where you get that ebb and flow of what's good and bad so that's a good question ideally i think that all right so personally i think that comes down to two different phases um the competitive phase tournament based and the casual on the dining room table Casual on the dining room table is self-regulated and automatically, as far as I'm concerned, gets removed from the conversation. Because if there's a ship that you and I both agree is not pointed correctly or it's an unfair ship, you and I can both universally agree on a handshake deal, say, I'm just not going to run that. Yeah, you can run three defenders. That's fine. (laughs) Right. Or you could do the opposite and go, sure, play that absolutely broken list. Let's see what it looks like. Exactly. Either way. So I think the friendly game tosses out. So the only environment that that leaves you left with is the competitive environment. Now, I think in the competitive environment, I think there is a good, solid case to be made to have a balanced environment. Having one ship control a meta for, I recognize that we, we do points adjustments and that does happen, but it tends to skew things. It skews the whole meta. Um, you also have to kind of give in to the fact that they're not going to get the points right the first time. They may not get the points right the second time. Like, is it like, how did you say it was the airplane analogy where they're, they're yeah, going the, the kind of error correction? Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Eventually they get there and then the points are absolutely just right. So you would like, would you like every ship to come in on the just right points? Maybe. Um, there is the, the uh, there is the side of it, of course, that it's their business and they want to sell things. Well, so I, I, think, don't, I, don't, I, I throw this in on Ed's thought there, though. If they did point upgrades more often, then I would be better off with having, you know, points skewed and then fine-tuning later. But because you're only releasing so many times a year, if they did monthly point changes, absolutely. Because they could balance the game a lot quicker that way. When you're doing it, though, it releases. You're kind of throwing in, you might balance one, which imbalances something else, because you have new ships coming in that aren't fully balanced yet and so on. So you're always perpetually that way. The only way you could do it is by having rotation, taking ships out that, but you also create imbalances with that too, I think, between factions when you start doing rotations. Because if you rotate the best ship of a faction out and you leave the best ship of another faction in, that may skew the game too. It's just, I think with Fantasy Flight and this concept here, it's a slippery slope. Depending upon how you play the game, if you play friendly, just like you were saying, Ed, table rules and friendly rules at the table are totally different than tournament. If you're going to have tournaments, then you probably want everything as... And I'm not saying balanced as far as all ships are equal. I'm talking about balance as ships, individual ships are balanced. So they're pointed correctly. They have the correct you know upgrades that they should or shouldn't have. Upgrades are pointed correctly and so on in that environment. And the only reason why I say that, and it's because conversations we've had, is because tournament prizes are money. Yep. And that's the only reason why I say that is because people view tournament prizes as money. So if you're viewing tournament prizes as money, then you have to have ships that are 
prick, or you have very boring tournaments, because the top 10 is going to be one or two lists total, you know, throughout that season. So I think that goes into probably maybe even a deeper question. Do you consider a diverse meta a healthy one? So do you consider, and I know we've had this analogy a thousand times on this show and other shows in the past, like the rock, paper, scissors, like the aces list is beaten by the swarm list and the swarms list are beaten by the mid range list that have kind of a good solid, like the, the uh, elite mini swarm kind of list. And you kind of have these, these rock, paper, scissors, but basically that's three lists. Is that a better competitive environment or eight or 10 viable lists? I think the more you have, the better, but you're also I'm, having, in, I'm in that camp as well. That's as well, so, but you also have to look at that. It can't just be three imperialists, three rebel lists, one, one, and one, and one of other factions because mm-hmm. you're creating less diversity within the game. You know, it's like then why do you have all the factions? It's right. Well, that that, that goes into that definition of diversity, which I, I agree, and that's one of the other points I wanted to make too. Is that you? You're right. You don't want to have four imperialists. They're all different. They're all in the different archetypes, but it's all imperial. And then you see one first order and they make a top 20 and they make a cut in one event. You're right. That other, if you should never be punished by your choice in faction. Correct. There should always be viability by faction. Agreed. Always. So that goes to the point that in an ideal environment, each ship in each faction would have some level of balance. And viability. I think that's the one that always drives me nuts. Like, there are pl- how many ships do you have in your box right now that you look at it and go, "Well, that ship sucks." Or most I bought it for the up- right, or I bought it for the upgrades, and I don't really need the ship. I bought it for the upgrades. Like, that's the one thing about this game, and I guess it, that's common with a lot of other miniatures games too. But like, I have ships that I know I've only purchased because it had a specific upgrade, and I've never flown it, not so, once. So. And that's that's a problem when you're buying a ship for a single card, you know. But we we all know that from the Emperor and and first. <laughs> um, but and C three C three PO. Here's the other side of it too, though, is upgrade cards. So 1.0 towards the end and in the middle of it, at the beginning, you would never ever ever put a shuttle, an Imperial shuttle, on the board ever because it was a terrible ship. And then the Emperor came along, and now you saw shuttles everywhere. But it wasn't mm-hmm. because that ship was good. It was because the Emperor was good. And that's the, and other the lowest point cost caddy for him. Correct. And that, that was a problem because you're not putting a viable ship in the game. You're putting a viable upgrade. And now, you know, this is the rabbit hole again where we can't just talk ships. We have to talk upgrades. Because when you look at, uh, you know, towards towards the end of... 1.0 when you had the bomb lists and oh, God. There, there was nothing good about the ships you're putting those things on. You're just putting a ton of bombs on and missiles and crap like that that affect the outcome of the game. And then you have a platform that in essence is a bad ship, but you know, and then you had other ones that are good ships, but you put an upgrade on it or they were okay ships. Uh, the E-Wing is a good example Mm-hmm. Or you would put R two D two on it. And now you just created this monster, you know. But and for I, one specific pilot, though, and I get that. But that's all you're getting out of that is you're not the the whole platform isn't good. It's one pilot out of that platform is good, and that, that's kind of where I'm leading to in this is that the other thing I would love to see is where if you could, you know in the perfect world with this game would be 
every ship out of those, you know, all the pilots are viable pilots too. You know, I understand that'll never happen, but when I buy a ship and it's just like you're buying a ship for one card again, if you're buying it for, let's just say as an example, wedge, then you're once again, yeah, you're playing the ship too, but you're really only playing one card out of that because then you're putting other upgrades from other ships onto that and creating these monster ships. And, you know, that's the tough part about this game is that the min-max side of the game will always rule, I think, at the end of the day. But I think that's the way it is with all miniatures games that I've ever played is you're looking at a min-max rule with it where you could have a bad ship, but put this card on it, it becomes an okay ship. You put another card on it, it gets better, and so on. Or you have that, oh, I'm going to throw an Emperor on a shuttle and win most of my games just off the effect of that guy and then what Suter Falcon do and blah, 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 you know. Yep. And that's where the game starts to hurt is when that stuff starts happening. When I really think that if you're, if the game becomes an upgrade great driven game again, it'll be difficult. I think the game should be more pilot driven with upgrades as kind of, you know, putting the cherry on top or the icing on the cake, you know. But unfortunately, that's not exactly how it works. <laughs> Well, and again, like I said, it, ideally, you're not going to be able to get everything right the first time. I think that's the one thing that I will give second edition a lot of credit for is they've given FFG that flexibility of being able to go, ooh, wow, we totally overpointed this ship. We can bring the points down and try to bring it back into some viability or vice versa. Oh, my God, there's no way this card should be costing this. The meta, everyone's running it. It's clear that this is an overpowered card. If we bump the couple of points up, you can still run it. It's still just as good as it was before. But now the the point cost is adjusting for it too. So I mean, I mean, ideally, yeah. In my in my mind, ideally, uh, the the ideal competitive environment would have a good eight to ten quote unquote viable lists, and each faction has a couple of good viable lists, depending on what direction you want to go. What you don't want to do is you don't have one particular faction that's railroaded into one build, and that one build isn't even that good in comparison to the other three that are like the imperialists or the rebelists or or the scum list, or whatever it is, like whatever the top ones on the list, like every, you should, I go back to my original state, like you should not be punished by the faction that you're choosing. So each of those pilots and upgrades should be points adjusted correctly to allow that environment to thrive. Really quick, Chris, how many seasons are there now? In, is it still three? Oh, geez. Um, it doesn't really do that anymore. No, no, I, mean, I know. Yeah. The equation, you know, what equates to it now? Um... It's by it's by every wave that we release from memory. Like they do cards that go with the waves, but I don't I don't even know if they've changed that. And who knows what will happen post COVID? Like there was one, like there was two on a really competitive level. Um, each state or city or whatever would get um, one or, or get should theoretically be able to get two prime events or grand like the equivalent of regionals would be two regional seasons a year effectively um yeah Uh, you get one star championship a year and two regionals so all the way around maybe and then you had worlds you know would be the the for it so i think the viability would be better suited if they went to let's say and i'll call it a season even though it's not a season but let's just say store championship season you have you have the end of the last whatever regional or prime season would when you move into your store championship season you get a baseline change then 
and then halfway through that season, you get a second one. And then when you roll into the prime season, you at the beginning, you get one. Halfway through, you get one. So that the points are so that the points are fine-tuned a little better. So that that would also help with lists that are dominating the game. Because you could look at it and say, oh, wait, this ship shouldn't be doing this much. So we can pull it back to the crowd. Things like that, you know, are, are upgrades the same way. If they if they did the point changes more often through good analysis, not just to do it willy-nilly, but to actually analyze what's going on in the metas and, you know, in, in tournament meta, that would help, I think, quite a bit to what Ed's end result would be is to having a, a more balanced environment. That was a heck of a rabbit hole. <laughs> It's okay, because uh, what I was going to do was just keep letting you guys talk, because you didn't answer my question in any way, shape, or form. Well, no, because I don't know if you can. <laughs> no, yeah, so I, I, gave, I gave you two uh, two choices. The game is either in perfect balance, so everything is as viable as everything else, or you have a ever-evolving change where stuff will come out and you have the cyclical like balancing that currently happens. Well, can we agree to the fact that that's not necessarily a like not, not necessarily something they could actually do? Oh no, I mean, no, talking- no, uh, no, it was it's a theoretical. Uh, if you, so like, in the theoretical- I, I think I, I, I'll just premise it a bit, a little bit better, maybe that if the game's perfectly balanced, I, there's no reason for me to be excited about a new ship that comes out because I've got a squad that is just as good. I, why should I change it? This is what I'm used to flying. Yeah, my skill level can show and grow as a player and get better, but I don't actually think that's as much fun. And I think the unbalanced nature of the way that stuff comes out is what makes a game fun for a lot of... like. Do you think it would be as as good as if we went through that... If we were all, all three of us were geniuses, we went through that points prediction... And like one of us got every card spot on. One of us was too expensive by one point, and one of us was off bit by too cheap by one point because the formula has been fixed. And like we went through, it was like, yeah, this will be this much because it does this thing, and like the game is perfect. I don't know. So I, th- I think it would be its own worst enemy, and the diversity would actually shrink because there's nothing driving change. Well, so let me that throw this my out. opinion. Let me let me throw this out there that. Would it be better, though, if you could play your favorite ship rather than never being able to play your favorite ship? Never's a long time. Never's a long time. I get that. But I'm just saying is, you know, there's a lot of ships that I owned that I never put on the field, ever. Oh, yeah. And there were ships that I thought were pretty darn cool that I never put on the field, which is what the where I'm coming from in this is that if you have... If you balance, and I'm not for a 100% balanced game, but if you balance the game and ship A, B, C, and D are my favorite ships, I can now play ships A, B, C, and D rather than having to leave them in the box and have to play E, F, D, and H because yeah. the ships I love suck in the game and never get to put on the board. Yep. But Go to ahead. answer your question, I'm yep. for, I am not for perfect balance of every ship. But I am for finding a way to balance the game a little sooner, like quicker, you know, to to yeah. not have to not have these dominant squads last so long in a meta. Yeah, I, I I tend to agree with that. To be a direct answer to your question, yes, I think <laughs> ideally having it perfectly balanced could be boring, but competitively it would be fair. So since we I'm took dice, 
I can't blame my- your overpowered ship, so I've got to blame my dice now. Yep, no, I'd rather go down to that then. <laughs> no, so, I said, it was just a thought experiment. It's fine. So it was not a wrong answer. Here, here's a here's an interesting thing. Do you think that that's where Attack Wing may have had it correct because you could move captains to different ships? I think I think Attack Wing had problems that were unique to that way of building it, in that it because it never gets rebalanced in that formula. Like they didn't do the the same points changes as far as I'm aware. It, it becomes even more stale because there isn't faction restrictions per se. It just kind of like X-Wing to the nth degree of I'm going to take this because it is the best on this. So you end up with Lucius on a bird of prey. With no, 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 I don't mean that. I'm talking about like, as an example, Luke who in a video game somewhere, I don't remember what I saw it, but I don't pay that much attention to it, but Luke flying a Y-Wing instead of an X-Wing. And right. Yeah. So you would have a Luke Skywalker pilot card. Right. That could that would then be able to go on X-Ship, Y-Ship, or Z-Ship. So right. you would pay for the chassis, and then you would pay to put Luke in that chassis. Correct. And that's that's where I'm saying is that that's where my question comes. Did Attack Wing have it correct? Not that you would go outside, you know, put... Kirk on a Borg ship or something like that. I'm talking about still leaving them within their factions, but being able to have them fly different ships because they actually flew different ships, you know, in canon. I, I think there's the potential that X-Wing is going to get better than that because like, currently we have Anakin Skywalker uh, with Hero of the Republic subtitle in a Y-Wing and in an A for Sprite, which can also be the Delta 7 Delta 7B or the calibrated one. So it's two different versions of the same um, chassis there. Um, you've got Anakin Skywalker, uh, Hero of Naboo. Um, where is he? I've got to, I can't even do that because the builder won't let me put all these different Anakins in there. Yeah, Hero of Naboo in the, uh, well, let's try spinning ship. Uh, we're going <laughs> to get him um, with the Obi Wan kind of tie in ability. So we're going to have three different versions of him across, I'd say, like four and a half different chassis. Yeah. And obviously, other other ships are lagging behind and other pilots. But uh, yeah, if I would love to see Luke flying the Falcon or like, you know what I mean, different yeah. different things like that. Yeah, um, like get, get, let me let me have Han in an X-wing. There's no way Han couldn't fly an X-wing. Come on. Well, I mean, you know, that, that's my point here is that it's the only the only negative that I ever saw on this because um, Porkins in a Y-Wing only. Well, he flew a Y-Wing once, you know, basically in canon and died flying in the Y-Wing. Uh, but he was an X-Wing pilot from what I understand. Oh, Porkins is in the X-Wing. Uh, like, yeah. but, but it's like, yeah, Corrin Horn. Yeah. yeah, you know, you get yeah, where Cor- I'm coming from. Yeah, Corrin Horn's a... a, uh, a an X-wing pilot, tough. Yeah. You can't have him as an E-wing pilot. I get, I get what you're saying, but I think as they are actually exploring the subtitles now, I think that that's there's potential there for us to have equal, if not better, stuff. Because if you if you leave it fully open, it's 
becomes open to abuse in that there will be a, sh- a chassis that the pilot is better suited to for like just for the, like the min maxing side of it so being able to put that pilot on that ship but with a different ability so it's not quite as oppressive i think is good exactly yeah. um that's it that was my side tangent that i thought would be an interesting one and like there you I, go. I agree that was a great side tangent all right, so I know Chris has got to do some editing, so I think we good place to stop. I think it's a great stopping point. So um, I'll thank everyone for joining us. Sean, always good to talk to you, my friend. Yep, I'm glad I made it. I'm so pretty, am I. Pretty precarious there. But, um, yeah. yeah. Nope, glad to be here. It was good having you, Sean. Thanks. And glad course, you, uh, you ended up coming. I, I thought you'd enjoy a couple of those topics. So Yeah, I'm glad you were here for those. And, of course, Chris, always good talking to you, my friend. You've got some house cleaning you like to do. Uh, yes, wanted to uh, say a big thank you to our uh, new patrons who signed up. Uh, you guys have been awesome. I had a couple of people sign up to the Dice Hate Patreon as well, which is um, basically the money all goes into the same pot, but that one is just a flat monthly charge. So you're always welcome to do that. You still get the same rewards, but I don't differentiate. Um, I've also been using the Patreon as a way to test out putting out when I do like videos my initial impressions of different ships and stuff like that. I've been editing them down into a short form audio format and then uploading them to Patreon. So I believe if you are a Patreon you can subscribe and have it as an RSS feed. But if you're not you can still go to the Patreon and just listen to them on in your browser. So if you don't want to watch my YouTube videos, you can hear me wax lyrical about different ships, like the uh, Thai Brute and stuff like that uh, <laughs> on Patreon. And that would be uh, a lack of focus on Patreon. Uh, the links are all in the show notes. It's fine. Um, you can email us at lackoffocuspodcast at gmail.com. You can chat with us on Facebook and send us messages on there at lack of focus podcast on facebook you can join the dice a dice hate discord server which should be links in and you should because that's been really good fun we've been playing games as ed said we've been playing some neptune's pride which is a free web browser based game uh, we plan on playing some among us we're going to have some squadrons next week as well ooh, ooh, ooh. can i can i ship in on that one so it's yeah. interesting that you mentioned uh the aforementioned bob uh AKA Major Juggler uh, on other previous show that we used to do. Who's currently a, is he still consulting on the other shows? I don't even know what Bob's been up to. No, recently. I don't think he's. I, I don't think Scum and Villainy exists anymore. Ah, <sighs> that's a shame. <clears throat> but anyway, he and I have been ch- chatting back and forth recently. Uh, football season, of course, started, and so we've been keeping track on each other's teams as far as the old ball of foot is concerned. And he asked if we were going to be playing squadrons. And I said, absolutely, we intend to. So I don't know if he's made the request yet, but I'm going to reach out to him again over the uh, during the week that he may be joining us to play some squadrons. So if you want to have a chat with Bob, he might be flying with us in squadrons. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure he'll have some interesting thoughts on that because I'm pretty sure he got a new job at NVIDIA. He most certainly did. And a huge pay raise, apparently. Counting triangles. <laughs> Well, there's those engineering jobs. Those are good for something, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, so that'd be cool. That'd be good. Um, lost my train of thought. Yeah. So Discord, <laughs> you should sign up. I've been, I'm actually been breaking out the sculpting tools 
for some uh, Necromunda stuff. That it, uh, so Sentrybox did start a Discord channel, so I've exclusively put some pictures on there just to try and kickstart the community. But on my Instagram and stuff soon, there'll be some pictures of me doing a little bit of green stuff work on some slave ogrins for Necromunda. And then Ooh. I'm going to try and paint those in between projects. So uh, um, The only thing in 20k yeah. squats still exist. Yeah, it's just uh, some abhumans, you know, some some big... Uh, They're squats, big they squat models, so they count. So uh, Necromunda does have a squat. It does. I know that's uh, right. And a be- and a beast man. And uh, yeah, it's good. I'm. Uh, I've got all loads of my stuff here. Some nice uh, rattling noises for people to listen to because you can't see the pictures. But um, I've got my Cardor gang that needs assembling, which is going to be more of a painting project. And I've got this Ogrins, which are a bit of a fun to see if I can sculpt anymore because I haven't done it for probably about 10 years since I last tried to sculpt anything properly, not just Ooh, gap filling. Uh, so I, I sculpted my own heads and amateurs and stuff like that for different Warhammer characters. So we'll see. See if I can uh, still do it or not. I, I'm surprised how much I remember how to do whenever I'm start, when I've been doing all the 40K stuff. I'm surprised how much it just all comes back to you. You're like, oh, yeah, this is how I'm going to do this. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's it from me. I'm sure I forgot stuff because uh, yeah, we meander, but there we go. It wouldn't be lack of focus if we didn't. All right, so that is going to do it for episode 61. I do want to thank everyone for joining us. Uh, again, stay tuned. Uh, we, I'm still going to try to push uh, Chris into doing something streaming-related on for, for Squadrons. So I think that's going to be a ton of fun. I'm really looking forward to it. I know what I'm going to be doing on my Friday night. So it'll be pizza and Squadrons, hopefully. So I'll we'll have to set up some time. And then I need to get myself into one of those uh among us games during the week so make sure to ping me for that kind uh, of stuff it, it is only like a 10 minute game no what it is it's a question of sitting down and actually doing it that yeah. that that's the catch is sitting it's the same thing as that hey i haven't played 40k on the table yet like except, unless you count home games here uh yeah. that haven't really counted although my 11 year old has like hey those space marines are kind of cool like hey you want to play space marines you say there's a new <laughs> codex coming out in three weeks or two weeks yeah it'll be amazing yeah um so the other thing i was thinking about doing is um throwing up a poll in the discord for which of the new ships we should give away and then doing a giveaway to that of that ship for our patrons so that's a um, good idea i should i'll create the poll on tuesday so that this episode has gone live and people all know about it and then there'll be a poll for which ship people would like to give away probably not an epic ship i'm gonna like Put a kibosh on it. Yeah. And um, I get to pick a charity to donate our Patreon money to for this month because I won. So suck it, losers. (laughs) I get to give money to charity. Yay. In the name of the show, of course. Yeah. Um, eh, That's it. I'll shut up now and let you close the show. That's okay. Because what I was going to say now is thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you in the next one. And as always, guys, fly casual. Thank you once again for joining the Lack of Focus X-Wing podcast. Check out Dice Hate Productions for all the latest episodes, and we'll be looking forward to seeing you again next episode.